invest like a woman. I'm your host, Gabby Slemmer, founder of Finasana and chartered financial analyst. In this podcast, we'll break down investing, money, and everything in between to help you build your money confidence and feel good about your finances. Let's get right into it. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm so excited to continue the conversation about money. The last episode of Invest Like a Woman, we talked about investing a lot. We talked about how to know whether you're ready to get started investing from a personal perspective, looking at your own finance, but also from a macroeconomic, what the hell is going on in the world perspective. But you might not even be there yet, and despite what we said about your personal finances or maybe exactly for that reason, you're thinking, okay, investing is not on my radar right now, but you still want to get better at money. You still want to have more money. You still want to get your finances in order. So today, we're going to talk about where to start when you don't know where to start, but want to get your finances together. A couple episodes ago, our first episode, I gave you three fundamental personal finance rules to follow for life. And if you haven't listened to that yet or you don't remember, those are spend less than you make, so save money, pay off debt, and invest for the future. But those are pretty high level and you might be thinking, that sounds so obvious. How do I actually make practical changes to my finances, to my day-to-day that can get me where I want to be in the future, that can help me live a better life and pay for things that are going to make me happy, going to make my life easier, or just going to make me feel comfortable that I can retire in, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. That's what this episode is about. It's about practical tools. It's about the nitty gritty of where to start when you don't know where to start. So The first thing that I tell everyone to do is think about it as an information gathering process. So the more information that you have, the more empowered you are to make better decisions. There's not one specific thing that everyone needs to do. It's all about looking at your situation, your specifics, and being able to highlight where to focus on what needs to change, what needs to stay the same, what needs to improve, and so on. So the first thing that I always tell people to do is to just get everything down on paper, to find those areas that you need to focus on and spend time with. So there's two main things that we're going to talk about. The first one is calculating your net worth and then using that to identify your financial goals And then the other piece of it is looking at your monthly spending or the B word that I try not to use but end up using all the time, your budget. So starting with your net worth, what is a net worth? You've probably heard it quite frequently in regards to famous people or athletes or I don't know, your rich uncle, but every single one of us has a net worth. It might be really high, it might be zero, or it might be negative, but you have one. Your net worth is looking at a point in time. It's looking at how much money you're worth today. Your net worth is not correlated to your worth as a human being, 
and we can get into that a lot in another podcast, but it's important to know where your finances stand, objectively speaking. So a lot of us might have an idea of how much money we have in the bank or how much we're quote unquote worth, but especially the more bank accounts you have, the more things you own, the more debt you have, the more different jobs you've had, the more complicated it starts getting and the harder it is to conceptualize and to just use mental math to estimate what your net worth is. Now, ironically, even people with a lot of money or money in a lot of different places think that they don't need to look at this number because they're like, well, I know I have enough. I know I have plenty. But like I said before, the more places that you have money hiding or debts hiding, the more important it is that you write it all down on one sheet of paper so that you have it all in front of you because 90% of the time, your estimate is probably going to be off. And that even happens to me personally because there's very specific numbers. And when we do mental math, I'm kind of making estimates and rounding up, rounding down. But when you actually look at it on paper, it is probably going to be different of what you thought. But it's important to get it down so you know that exact number, but also so that you can track it over time so that you can see what's happening to your financial worth on a maybe quarterly, monthly, probably not monthly if I'm being honest. That sounds like a lot of work, but over time, maybe on an annual basis to see, well, it feels like I haven't made any progress in the last three years, four years, five years, but if you have something to look back to, then it can be really motivating or it can help highlight what you need to focus on. So practically speaking, what is a net worth and how do you calculate it? A net worth is looking at all of your assets or anything of value in your financial life and subtracting out your liabilities or anything that you owe. So I like to think of assets as all of the positive numbers and liabilities as all of the negative numbers. And it really is that simple. It's assets minus liabilities equals your net worth. So what are assets? Assets are anything physical, anything like the house that you live in. But they're also things like your bank account and your investment accounts. So any cash that you have, and that includes your checking account, your savings account, any other bank accounts you might have, and your investment accounts. So if you work for a company that gives you a 401k or a pension or any sort of retirement contributions, that's considered an asset. Now I'm going to pause there for a second because the retirement contributions from your company, if you work for a corporate company, I just want to talk about that for a second because so many of us, it's just this number that's getting taken out of our paychecks and a lot of people, A, don't know where their pension is. There's so many lost pensions. And I know that sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but how many times have you switched jobs in your career? Do you have every single retirement account from every single job you've ever had? Do you know where those accounts are? Did you know you can aggregate them? What did you do to your retirement account when you left your company? And a lot of people didn't aggregate them. They totally forgot at what company they're retirement account is even sitting at because there's so many different companies that your retirement account, which by the way, your retirement account when you're working for a company. So if that company is doing automatic 
pension contributions, automatic 401k contributions, 401k matching, any other fancy wording for retirement account contributions. That money is going into a tax advantage retirement account that you can only access when usually you're about 65 or retirement age, and that's getting invested into the stock market. Now, to bring it back to the the whole lost pension things, it's crazy because a lot of times we switch jobs and we don't think about that money. It just kind of stays there and we assume it'll follow us and it does follow us. But if you never go to collect it, if you're not including that in your net worth calculation, a lot of people just never look at that money again. They literally lose it by forgetting where it is and their passwords. And uh, By the end of 2021, there's an estimate of about 25 million unclaimed 401k accounts in the United States. So Americans literally are just losing track of their money, which is wild. But this is why writing everything down is so incredibly important because it lets you keep a running ledger, basically a running list of everything that you own and gives you more control over it. So summarize up until now, our assets, we have our cash, our checkings account, our savings accounts, our investment accounts, which include your retirement accounts from your company and your pension accounts. And then you have any large physical assets that you own. And this is things like your house, if you own your house and if you're not renting. Sometimes you can include other things of value in your net worth too, but it just starts getting a little tricky if you're going to value every jewel that your grandma gave you or every expensive purse or watch, if you're considering those investments, which also gets into murky territory. Personally speaking, and I recommend to everyone, luxury goods are not investments. They are things that we use, but chances are pretty low that you're going to make significant money off of a Chanel bag that you bought and wore every single day for the last five years. So the house that you live in, that is an asset. But technically, if you have a mortgage on it, you don't yet own the entire thing. Now, we're going to put that mortgage under our liabilities. So for purposes of this exercise, include the full value of your house under your assets because we're going to take away that mortgage later on. The remainder is going to be what's actually yours. So what I'd recommend if you have property is go on Zillow or Realtor.com or any other real estate website in the country that you live in. If you're not in the U.S., look up the market value of the home, what it would estimate to be selling for at that given point in time. And that's the number that you're going to use in your assets for your net worth calculation. So next, we're going down to liabilities. Liabilities are everything that you owe. So anything that is theoretically negative in your financial life. And the big one here is debt. So debt, mortgages, credit card debt, student debt, anything that you owe money on is going to go into this category. Credit card debt is a really important one to include here. But credit card debt, I want to point out that this is not your credit card limit. This is only if you have a balance that's outstanding that you're carrying over from month to month. So I use my credit card to put literally all of my expenses that I can on it because I want to take advantage of the points and the insurance and all of the other great things that come from a credit card. 
but I have never let that balance go over to the next month because then that's when it starts accruing interest. So at the end of every single month, I pay off my credit card balance. Now, if I was doing this net worth calculation, I would not include that balance on my liabilities because that's more of like a revolving spending account that I'm not going into debt for. So I don't necessarily need to include there unless I'm being really picky and it's a it's like a cash flow timing and I don't want to get too complicated. But basically, if I have $1,000 in my credit card balance, I haven't yet paid it yet. I have, let's say, $2,000 on my cash account, my checking account, then I know at the end of the month, I'm going to have to pay that off. So just be a little careful about those timings if you use your credit card the same way I do. Now, personally, the way I account for this when I'm doing my own net worth calculations is I keep a little bit of money in my checking account that is going to be just enough to cover my credit card or a little bit more. So I like having a couple of different bank accounts for different purposes. So I have a bank account that all my savings go into, and then I have my day-to-day checking where if I get paid into that banking account, I'm going to transfer my savings to the other one, and then this is just going to be for my real day-to-day spending. So I'm not even including that in my net worth because it's money that's coming in and going out. It's not going to, it's just going to confuse kind of the tracking from month to month. So back to your liabilities. When you're writing down everything that you have, especially if you have a lot of debt, this part can get really overwhelming. But again, it's really important to see it all in one place because then it'll help you set goals, which we will talk about in just a minute. First, when you write down all of the different debt that you have, this is a really good place for you to include the interest rate on that debt and if that debt has a due date. So that will also help you when we come to set goals a little bit later on. And now the mortgage, which I talked a little bit about when we were talking about assets. If you own your house, then you might have a mortgage outstanding. If you have a mortgage outstanding, then you don't actually own 100% of the value of the house yet because the bank still technically owns a chunk of that via the mortgage. So in your assets, you put the value of the total house. Now in your liabilities is where you back out that mortgage so that when you take your assets and subtract out your liabilities, you only have left what you own, i.e. your net worth. So if you think about this from just the house example, let's say that you put down 20% of the value of the house as a down payment. House is worth, just for purposes of making the math easy, as I go through this live, let's say the house is worth 100K. You put down 20 grand, your mortgage is 80. In your assets, you would have a line item that says house 100K. In your liabilities, you would have mortgage 80K. When you take assets minus liabilities, you own 20K on day one because that's your mortgage. As you move forward in time and you pay off your mortgage, that number is going to go down. You're going to own more. And hopefully the value of the house is going to go up too. So you're going to own even more because you own a percentage, not an absolute number of that value of that house. So now that you have your net worth, you know exactly how much you're worth. If you have more liabilities than you have assets, technically your net worth is negative because you owe more than you have today. 
And don't let that freak you out because the point is that that's going to help you in setting goals to get that number higher and higher and higher. So the goal of putting together your net worth is to set goals, but also to help us maximize our net worth in the long term. We want to see that number increasing as much as possible throughout months, quarters, years, whatever. But what's the best way to actually do that? So you can either grow your assets or decrease your liabilities. But in what order should you best do that? What should you focus on now that you have all of these numbers down? What the hell do they even mean? So the first thing that I'd ask yourself is, do you have an emergency fund? An emergency fund is a pile of cash that, or not literal cash, I mean, I don't mean go to the ATM, take cash out and put it under your mattress, but I would recommend either having this as like, if you love Excel like me and you're obsessed with spreadsheets and data, then this can just be a line item on um, an Excel document. If you're less Excel inclined, like most of you frankly probably are because I know I'm (laughs) a little weird when it comes to my Excel obsessions, then it really helps to just have a separate separate pot of money, like a separate bank account. Most banks will allow you to just open up a separate account within that bank so you can just store your money there. And then when you log on to your online banking, you'll just see these different accounts. Some banks, especially these like newer online challenger banks, even allow you to put fun names on those accounts. So if you're saving for like a pair of shoes or a vacation or whatever, you can say, this is my vacation fund. I'd recommend doing this for your emergency fund. What is an emergency fund? An emergency fund is a pot of money that you're going to put aside and you're only going to use it for an emergency. Sounds obvious, but it's really important that you think of this money as your fallback plan. This is like a safety net that's going to catch you if shit hits the fan. So if everything goes wrong, then you know you still have that money. Or it doesn't even have to be like the world falls apart, you lose your job, and you can't buy yourself anything to eat. But let's say your car breaks down in the middle of the street and you need money to buy a new tire or these big unexpected expenses that are going to have a big impact or in the U.S. especially health is a huge thing. So healthcare is really expensive. doesn't come as a surprise to anyone. Um, If anything goes wrong in your health, then it can cost an arm and a leg. So having this emergency fund can be really helpful and really necessary. Most people recommend, most personal finance experts recommend you have between three to six months of necessary living expenses in your emergency fund. And the idea behind that number is that if you were to lose your job, you can still pay your expenses while you get back on your feet and find a new source of income. That can sound like a lot for some people, especially if you're starting from zero to save up half a year's worth of expenses. You're like, what the hell? There's no shot. That's just way too high and I'm not even going to go down that route. So what I'd recommend and what I'd ask yourself while looking at your net worth is, do you have at least $1,000 in your emergency fund or equivalent in whatever country you live? That can be enough to get you out of a pickle and avoid going into debt for these smaller emergencies. So it's just kind of a good place to start if you have nothing. So moving on to question number two, do you have any high interest rate debt? High interest rate debt is anything above like 5 to 7%-ish. 
credit cards are around 20 to 30%. They're the biggest example of high interest rate debt. If you have an outstanding credit card balance that you're carrying over for month to month, that is going to be your number one priority after setting aside a small emergency fund to get you out of a pickle. Other types of debt like student debt are can add up really quickly or important for you to focus on. Um, overdrafts, payday loans, personal loans, any other type of bad debt, which we usually refer to as consumer debt. Your mortgage does not fall under this. So mortgage is usually called good debt because it's building value in something. So now really just look at your high interest rate debt. So then question number three, let's go back to your emergency fund. Is your emergency fund healthy? Is it around that three to six months of necessary living expenses? Once you've built the initial emergency fund, you're then going to focus on paying off your high interest rate debt. Once that's paid off, you're going to go back to the emergency fund and say, is this as plump as it could be? Is it going to have my back if I need it? And the more risk averse you are, the higher this number should be so that you don't have to worry so that it just can help you stress less about money because you know you have this to fall back on. Now, if you like living on the edge and you say, if shit hits the fan and I need to get a job, then I'll move in with my move into my parents or move to my best friend's couch and live off of ramen noodles until I get a job and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to freak out. Then sure, knock yourself out. Make it be a little bit on the lesser side. But me personally, I bet you guys can probably guess which one I'd like probably at this point, I like to be a little bit more secure. Also, if your income is really, really steady and you have a job that you're very comfortable in, you're very secure, you're not worried about losing it, then again, the summer can be a little bit on the lower side. If you're a freelancer and your income is super sporadic, then I'd recommend having a little bit more in an emergency fund. Moving on to step number four is do you have any other non-mortgage debt to pay off? So this can be debt if you have it with lower interest rates. Maybe you did a balance transfer to a zero interest rate credit card to buy yourself a little bit more time to pay off that debt. This is when you pay it all off. And then step number five, are you investing or saving enough for your short, medium, and long-term goals? And That in a nutshell, those five steps are also exactly the three rules that we talked about in the first episode. Save money, spend less than you make. We're kind of hitting that with building up your emergency fund and saving for the future. Pay off debt. I mean, we've talked about that loads, so I don't need to say more on that. And then the last one, invest for the future, which we talked a lot about in the last episode. So hopefully that's been enough information for you to digest and take away and get started on your finance housekeeping or your finance health check. So my my boyfriend who's British, actually, I don't know if this is a thing in the US, but I've been living in in London and the longer I'm here, I keep saying things and just not remembering whether it's a Britishism or an Americanism. So every year you have to get this MOT where you take your car to the mechanic and they do like a full health check on your car to make sure that you can drive it and it's still safe for the roads. So this is basically like your financial MOT. It's your health check. It's your your financial check-in. So hopefully I've given you enough tools that you can take this away and 
come to some meaningful conclusions about your net worth and set goals. I'm going to pause there for now. And then next week, we'll talk about the second half of the getting started and figuring out your finances and the continuation of your financial health check, which is all about looking at your spending habits, tracking your expenses and sorting out your what I end up calling a budget, but I really need a better word for it because a budget has such negative connotations. So if you have any ideas, please send them my way. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon that next week. As a side note, if you want to get started putting your net worth on paper, but you're not sure where to start, on Finasana, we have a net worth and expense tracker that is what I personally use to look at all of my financial life. There's also a super detailed not budgeting uh, spreadsheet that uh, basically an expense tracker. It just helps you see your habits. It helps you lay everything out in one place and you don't have to start from scratch. So it's a really good tool. If you're interested in it, go check it out under tools and planners on finasana.com. Thanks so much for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, feedback, please do send them over. We'd love to hear from you. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Invest Like a Woman. To learn more and continue your journey, visit us on finasana.com, download our app, or follow us on Instagram. I'll see you next time.